Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How to buy a property in your 20s or more generally, how to get into the property market. If you're not in your 20s, you can still listen to this episode and take away plenty of value. John and I are very aware that it can be a lot of doom and gloom in the media out there, that the great Australian dream is unachievable, that property prices are so high and a lot of people are wondering, how on earth do I even get myself on the property ladder? So today we're going to talk about some practical things that you can do and be aware of to help you get into your first property sooner. And John and I are going to reflect on what we would tell our 20-year-old self, knowing what we know now in the property and investing world. So I'm Emily Wallace. I'm joined here by John Pigeon. Let's get into today's episode. I thought you were going to say, we're very aware that we're not in our 20s. Oh, (laughs) Well, we're also very aware of that, yes. (laughs) Well, you're closer to them than I am. But yes, what would you have done again in your 20s, Emily? You were university trained, so three of those years, two of those years in your 20s were taken up by study? Yes, they were. Mm -hmm. They were indeed. Study and working very hard and not saving very much money. Yes. So would you have changed any of that? Not in essence, but certainly... I wish I was a better saver because I actually never had a saving mindset. So when I say I worked really hard, it's because I liked to live a certain lifestyle even when I was in my early 20s. I certainly wasn't stingy. I yeah, I definitely could have saved some money. Yeah, okay. And when you look back now, how much difference would that have made? It's very hard to give an answer to that, yeah. but like to what a what point? Because I, I know I wasted a lot of money in my 20s too, but when you actually add it up, it could have been quite significant. I don't think it was life-changing. I don't think it would have changed the course of where I am today. Maybe it would have changed it by six months to a year in difference of where I am in terms of my property journey. But, I mean, I had fun, so. Yeah, that's the main <laughs> What's the price of fun? <laughs> that's right. You can't put a price on. Were you a spender or a saver? No, nah, I, I was definitely a spender. Spender in my 20s. Yeah. And my 30s and yeah. a bit of my 40s. No. <laughs> um, but I was never, I never really like bought clothes and stuff. like. Oh, that's what I spent a lot of money on. Yeah. Clothes. So I was more like, okay, I'm going out with my friends and. Travel? Um, yeah, a little bit on travel. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, yeah, it was 12 months overseas teaching and traveling and that. So I wouldn't absolutely never take any of that back. Mm-hmm. But I think. Could have definitely had a better system. Sure. If the Glenn James spending plan was around. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was Glenn when you needed him. That's right. Uh, but, yeah, I think I'll give you an example. Like thankfully I bought my first property when I was 21 and it was like 64000 Yeah. And I put down a whole $3,000, I think. It was like a JV with my sister. Mm-hmm. I think back and it's like how many Saturday nights could I have foregone 
to get another one of those 64K properties at that time. Yes, okay. Yeah. Very different now where property prices are five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand mm. and it takes a good chunk. Like if, if I was I, I would in today's language I'd be fretting to save as hard as I could, as quick as I could, I think. Sure. And it's easy for forty six year old me to tell twenty <laughs> something that because the maturity level and everything else is very different, <laughs> isn't it? But yeah, I, I think there's a real maybe fairly or unfairly there's a lot of scaremongering going on now for 20-somethings-year-olds that are really worried about getting into property ever. Yes. Yeah, indeed. So it's like, well, there's only so much we can do. And and I suppose if I'm going back, what would I change? Uh, I'm, I'm definitely saving more and buying three or four of those 70, 80, $100,000 properties because I know they just were cash flow positive and they just do their thing. Yeah. But I would also be having a good solid plan in place that allowed the, the action to be able to consistently buy, right, mm. or invest, I suppose. Yeah, there was a lot of wasted 20s money. So was there a pretty – was there a gap between your first one and your second one that could have been shortened? Well, what happened was – and I don't think I wouldn't go to uni again and, and I wouldn't have not been a teacher because allowed to do a lot of things – Today, but I'll answer that question in a minute. Uh, I, uh, I wouldn't be encouraging knocking down the doors for my kids to go to university. Okay, yeah. Because I think that can potentially set us back 10 years. Mm, interesting. Mm. In, and what would the alternative be? Would be, depends on how, how their brain works, yep. whether they're trade-driven or like hands-on or I don't know, a chef or I don't know, whatever their interest is, we don't know yet. But yeah. I think that when when I was coming through, it was university. You, you That's what you had to do. Yes. Yeah, similar. For, well, I didn't really hear any other options but university. And that probably comes back to the fact that I grew up in Tasmania and we're 10 years behind everybody else. But <laughs> um, No, but it was. It was just like, yeah. what uni are you going to? Like it wasn't even yeah. what do you want to do when you finish school? It's like, what uni are you going into? Yeah. So, yeah. So if you think about those four years, 18 to 22 or 19 to 23, you think, well, okay, I'm not making any money. No. It's it's like I'm surviving. Literally. I'm getting probably 50 to 100K of hex debt and then I spend the next 10 years trying to build my way up the income trail to play catch up on the four years I didn't earn any money and I've got to pay this hex debt off as well. Now, it's not – don't go to university and don't further educate. But what if in those four years you could go and save 10 grand a year, mm-hmm. live at home 20 grand a year, there's 80 grand that you could go and buy a 400K asset with yep. somewhere around the country. Don't have to live in it, just go and buy it. It'll yield will look after itself and still enjoy your 20s but not have to maybe live in your own home or I don't know. And and come 22, you've got this asset and no debt. Yes. It's a very different formula, isn't it? Mm. Mm-hmm. And and why I say it can set you back 10 years is in 10 years, that 400K property might be worth 600, 700, 800. Yes. So the amount to get back in. Is now. Yeah. I've got to save double, triple mm-hmm. that amount. So, yeah. 
uh, that's that's what I'd be doing if I was 18. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's funny. At that age, you don't quite have the concept, do you? And even, you know, heading into, like for me, I'm, you know, heading into my 30s or I am in my 30s, I guess. It's like I wish I'd listened to more advice when I was younger. So now that I am at a point where I realise advice is valuable, now I'm like, okay, where are people who are 10, 15 years ahead of me and how can I yeah. find out what they would have done when they were my age? Yes. Whereas I think that doesn't really happen when you're 18 to 20. You don't really go, oh, you know, how can I better myself? The self-improvement thing seems to happen more in your late 20s, early 30s in my opinion. Yeah, I think you're right. It's it's like there's people there telling you that but you're not listening. Yeah, exactly yeah. because you haven't, you haven't gone to seek it out whereas when you mature and you actually seek out the information, you take it on board a lot more. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because you want to. And almost, and I think that this is what's happening now for a lot of people in their 20s is I think they're forced to sit up and listen because of this situation they're in. Yeah. I.e., I can't save money, what's going on? Mm -hmm. Like am I doing something wrong? Like this whole buy your home, contribute to super, live happily ever after, like I can't even see a dint in any of that. It's making less and less sense to people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So there's got to be another alternative. Yes, which is what we do when I unpack today. Yeah. Was that the intro? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We have arrived at the topic. (laughs) No, it's all good context and I think, Mm. you know, the main purpose of today is to try and give some actionable items and at least to make you aware of what your options could be. Yes. Because there's so much unknown uh, and... It depends where you go to to learn mm. or if you even want to learn about, you know, investing in property. If you're listening to this, you probably do. But there's so many s- simplistic things that you can know about that will help you. And one of the most common ones that comes to mind, and we've spoken about this so many times on the show, but parental guarantor mm. is the most underrated, in my opinion, way to get into the property market. But probably a lot of a lot of people are sceptical, more so the parents than the child yeah. buying yeah. about what does that mean, you know, how does that look? Yeah. Is my house at risk? Yes. Yeah. All those things. And the answer is it is at risk if your child stops paying the mortgage. Mm-hmm. As long as your child's paying the mortgage and they're forced to pay principal and interest anyway, so they're paying it down, then your house will be fine as the parent. Yes, Correct. And so it's about going into an educated risk in that situation where mm. you know, and it comes back to having a good broker on board who can explain what that looks like for you as well. Yeah. But parental guarantor is certainly an avenue to fast track because it means the amount of cash required upfront to get into the property is a lot less. Like I did a parental guarantor to get in. Did you? Yeah. Mm. And I think I put up 10K. Yeah, wow. Remember, I wasn't a very good saver. But by the time I bought the property, I was 20 three when I bought my first one, yeah. my serviceability was well and truly there. I could repay it fine. I had yeah. a proper job by then. Yeah, that's great. But, yeah, to get in, there's no way I could have gotten in how I did without a parental guarantor. Yeah. And and generally you would want to live in that property. Well, mine was an investment, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but generally you would, wouldn't you? Yeah, like, cause, yeah. Because yeah. you are paying principal and interest, so... It does hurt a little bit when you're paying P&I as well as rent. But if yeah. you're living at home, were you living at home at the time? No. No. Okay. So if you're living at home, your running costs are pretty lean in your life or should be. Mm-hmm. So you may be able to buy an investment property and mm. and uh, pay P&I. Yeah. Mm. The reason that I didn't live in it or why I didn't choose to buy something to live in was purely down to a 
my serviceability obviously had a borrowing capacity to a certain price point and that didn't land me anywhere remotely near where I needed to be for my work and life in Melbourne. Right. So I bought about oh, 50Ks out. I could have commuted. Yeah. Quality of life would have been... Crappy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you could have went and bought a house in Hobart, for example. Yeah. 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 Could have been anywhere. So the investment yeah. hat was on and, and that's definitely an alternative. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I, I think it's the ninth wonder of the world. Rent vesting or? Uh, no, parental guarantor. Oh, parental guarantor. Or rent vesting is a tenth. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The eighth is compound interest. Yes, mm. we love compound interest. Yeah. <laughs> but I always think back to a, a call I had with a guy who just graduated from, well, he's 12 months in, but he'd graduated from university in Newcastle. He's a teacher mm-hmm. and talking about maturity and thinking outside the square, he's gone to the most remote part of New South Wales for an experience and they pay 90 or 95% of his rent wow. because he's gone that remote. They pay him extra money on his wage because he's gone that remote and like another 10 or 15 grand a year on top of his wage. Wow. First year out. Oh, my gosh. Because of the remoteness of the, the, the school and they can't get teachers. Mm, that's a big problem. It is a big problem, but he's cashing in on it. Yeah. To the point where I get a new experience, I get to save a truckload of money, and I go and buy a house back in Newcastle in two years' time. Yeah. Where all of his mates are doing the complete opposite, not saving money, spending everything, etc. So, again, what do we do in our twenties? What are we prepared to do that no one else is prepared to do? And that's when you'll get the results. Not not only is that purchase important, it's what it'll be in 10 years' time. Mm. That's the key for him. Like he'll never have to worry about financial security, again, maybe just on the back of that one purchase and that one decision. And it, it's a case of short-term pain. Well, I don't even know if it was that painful to be out there. Who knows? No, but well, like, he's, he was yeah. out there when I spoke to him and it, was, it wasn't painful at all. Yeah. He's, his mindset was, I'm doing it for a short period of time, I'm going to meet new people, and I, I won't be spending any money because there's no one to go out with. Like, <laughs> it's like your environment does help you save, doesn't it? It does indeed. If your friends aren't knocking on your door every Saturday night saying, "Hey, let's go down to the pub." That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're sitting there in your your twenties saying, "Well, what what should I be doing right now?" It's it's asking yourself, "What are you prepared to do?" Yes. And is there another alternative? Like, I would have absolutely no problem going and living in a regional location for two, three years just to get my foot in in the door of property and then size from there. Mm-hmm. Might meet someone there or I move back to Melbourne or, or uh, Adelaide or Perth or wherever you've come from and you've had an experience, you've got yourself on the ladder and away you go. Yeah, indeed. Mm. Certainly one avenue to, to help. What we're going to do is take a quick break and talk through a couple of other options you might have at your disposal to get you in to a property sooner. We'll be right back. 
If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So, John, the next thing that comes to mind for me is that people need to be aware of what they actually have available to them in terms of grants and exemptions. Now, I preface this with do not chase grants and exemptions, as in it shouldn't be the reason you make a property purchase, but it certainly should be something that you're educated on so that should you meet the criteria and should it work for the purchase in question, you're able to leverage those opportunities, which helps you get in sooner. The biggest one being the stamp duty exemptions for first home buyers, which varies from state to state. We actually did an episode and we'll find it and reference it down below uh, where we talked through all the concessions available and grants available state by state, but find out what you're actually eligible for and make sure that you apply accordingly when you go through the purchase. Stamp duty exemptions to me are just gold when it comes to getting in because so many first-time buyers don't realise you've got to have your deposit and your stamp duty. It's not one of the same. Deposit plus stamp duty. And on some purchases, stamp duty is just ludicrous. There's no other word for it. No, there's not. And like take the example of New South Wales. Mm -hmm. Their exemption's up to 800K. It's pretty good. So, and, and then it's a scale from 800 to a mil. Yeah. Um, so you're still not paying full stamps. But uh, you, you basically, you pay no stamp duty at 800K. If it wasn't your principal place and you didn't have that concession, the stamp duty is 31000 mm-hmm. So you're saving 30000 just by living in it for 12 months. And 800K other than most suburbs in Sydney, um, get you a property, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, being aware of those is really important. 
I wouldn't say to the point where if you can borrow more than exemption that you just cap yourself because in Victoria it's $600,000 and under. That is and, Which is actually ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah, and yeah. it's a shake-up. But, you know, for some people they actually can borrow 700000 but they cap at six hundred because of the stamp duty. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that's a great strategy because if the property that's at six fifty is in an A-grade location versus, you know, the other one being not so A-grade, then you're costing yourself in the long run. Yeah. But yeah, be aware of what you're eligible for. Yeah, so something in Vic at seven hundred, you're paying twenty six grand in stamps. Mm-hmm. So you're saying you buy something at seven hundred, it's going to be a better asset, perform for you better long long term. If you're holding it for ten years, that's two thousand six hundred a year you've paid in stamp duty divided by that twenty six, right? Yep. Yeah, it's going to be better asset than just thinking about okay, my cap is 600 because I don't have to pay stamp duty. Yes. I think that's a bit of a short-term mindset and could hurt you in the long term. Yep. No, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and you've got the first home super saver scheme, haven't you? Uh, At the time of talking, that's still around. Mm -hmm. Don't know if it's going to be around forever, but it it is. Yep. Um, So you can contribute, what, 15 grand 15 grand, yeah. 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 So that's just, again, set and forget money that you put aside each month or however you want to work it and and get it back out before June 30, uh, co-contributes. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's a pretty good one as well. And then outside of any – oh, you've also got the low deposit scheme from the government or the guarantee, which is where as presently the, the government guarantees um, up to 15% of the deposit required and avoids you having to pay lenders mortgage insurance, which is another saving so that's one to be aware of. And there are also grants for building or new builds too. So, Yeah, so they're starting to dissipate, aren't they, a little yes. bit? But you do still, obviously, when you're building, um, you'll only pay stamp duty on the land, if at all anyway, as mm-hmm. a first-time buyer. Poor old South Australians, they miss out. Oh, how come they miss stamp out? Stamp duty. They've they got no concessions for oh, stamp. that's not very nice. No. No. <laughs> no, it's not. So even like at 300000 which you're probably not getting too much for that anyway. Well, you might import Piri or somewhere like that, but you won't, yeah, you're still paying stamp duty yeah. as a first home buyer. So no advantage of living in your first home for stamp duty in South Australia. No. So the other one, Emily, is the shared equity scheme by mm-hmm. the federal government. Yes. So they, it's basically entering into a JV with the government. Right. Sounds big time, doesn't Sounds it? Sounds a bit scary. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's uh, it's means or well, not means tested, but you, your income needs to be less than ninety grand a year, mm-hmm. or couples one hundred and twenty. I think there's ten thousand spots, but the government can cover up to thirty or maybe even forty percent of the cost of the property. Right. Now, what's the problem with this? What happens when you go to sell the property if they own part of it? They want some of it. Yeah, of course they do. So <laughs> that's the uh, that's the concern. I I would be very wary to go and do this personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would rather go and do a JV with someone else. That was going to be my next question is what's the alternative, which yeah. as you did as your first purchase, yes. go, go with someone else, someone that you know and trust. But the beauty of it, minimum 2% deposit too. Gosh, that's like nothing. And no LMI because the government are, yeah. are backing it, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah. So, 
when, when you own the property, mm-hmm. you can start to buy more off the government, yep. off their share. Sure. So if they take 40 at the start, you can get that back down to 30 by just making extra repayments or something, however that works. But yeah, yeah, check that out. That's I'm not extremely excited by that, but it's out there. Yeah, it's an option. So what we're saying is the standard let's save 20%, avoid LMI, pay our stamp duty and buy something for a million dollars is no longer the case. It doesn't need to be. No. Um, So be strategic, 2% or 5% or 10%. You can get in a lot sooner than you think in a lot of cases, can't Mm -hmm. you? Um, You've just got to think outside the box. The other one is the occupations. Yes, that's true for the LMI waivers. Mm. Yeah. And I did, um, um, as of uh, July this year, I don't think a lot would have changed since then, but chat to your mortgage broker, obviously. ANZ, Westpac and CBA, probably the main three that get involved in this sort of stuff, basically waives the LMI. So they're saying, righto, if, I put, if you put down 10% and in, in the case of medical professionals, mm-hmm. as little as 5%. Yeah, wow. Uh, depending on which occupation you are and maybe who you registered through, so you need to check with that. But like, yeah, 5% deposit, no other my, even 10 without any help from, because some people don't like to go to their parents and ask for that. No, they don't. Yeah. But they're happy to go to the bank and say, bank, can you help me? Yes. Even though they don't know the bank. Yeah, but it's, it's just a different dynamic. It is. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I'll come back to that whole parental guarantor advice there as well. But medical practitioners, um, physios, chiros, optometrists, vets, obstetricians, uh, who else? Pathologists, podiatrists, uh, pharmacists, vets, nurses. That's a cool one. Mm. Uh, chiros, I might have said them, physios, footballers, entertainers. Oh. You and I might be able to half qualify for that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is pure entertainment, John. <laughs> this is uh, entertainment. Now it is. <laughs> Accountants and lawyers have always sort of had that as well. But, yeah, so... Check with your broker. Yeah, definitely. If your broker doesn't know this stuff, sack them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But let me come back to this parental guarantor. Someone asked me the other day, what would I do to uh, approach my parents about this? Yes. Because some of us parents are in the dark about all this and it seems too risky. Yeah. So I would treat it like a business plan. Mm -hmm. You would say, okay, these are the – Positives. This is conceptually what the plan is. These are the positives of of doing this for for me mm-hmm. as the child. Here's my cash flow management plan. This is what I spend each month. This is what I'm saving each month. These are the mortgage repayments based on what I'm looking at buying. This is my strategy. This is what I'm buying. Mum and dad, this is your involvement. This is what you you're doing, and this is the exit strategy for you. Yes. Now, if you went to them with that business plan. The chances are strong. Yeah, and I think it's good for them to know how their exit occurs. That's probably the biggest thing. It's like, I'm happy to do it, but how do I get out of this? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Am I tied to you for life? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so treat it seriously. They'll treat you seriously and obviously get some knowledge first. Your broker needs to have given you a breakdown of what it all means and they might already have a one-pager, a mm. cheat sheet for you, for the parents. To present it, yeah, mm. yeah. One of the important things I learned along the journey of going through parental guarantor is that like 
my dad was happy to do it on the basis that because I was buying an investment as my first property, that that property went up in value quite quickly. Like he didn't want me buying a dud basically. Yeah. And he wanted himself off the guarantor as soon as possible. Right. And so my responsibility as the purchaser was to do a lot of diligence around the area okay. of where to buy. So, you know, you might hypothetically say in four years' time, your percentage of the loan going to be wiped off. Yeah. I'm going to refinance. We don't need you anymore. You know, yes. trying to give timelines can be helpful for parents to understand where their ex is going to be. Mm. And he was in real estate, so it was no mug when it came to- He was actually in accounting at the time, but yes. Oh, was he? <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Even more numbers driven. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that that's important, isn't it? Yes. Um, so yeah. Do you think a lot of parents would get involved and have a say in the, this is what you're buying? Uh, I've seen it firsthand in terms mm. of like, yeah, I've got clients who've had parental guarantors and they've certainly had a say. Yeah. Uh, I would say they have more say when it's gifted money. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. I think guarantors are a bit less attached to the outcome. Yeah. And we did on a previous episode uh, answer a question around going in with your partner yes. when the time's right. So for parental guarantor, a gift is added into that situation mm-hmm. when you might not think that your partner's going to see this relationship through. Yeah. You just might get some legal advice around that. Totally. Mm. Yeah. So all in all, I think there's a lot of options on the table, right? You just got to know what they are and work out what the best avenue is for you. And it's not impossible. No, it's highly possible. Mm. Like, is it impossible in your location right now to buy your home that you want to live in? It may be. Yes. But what we're saying is think outside the box I think you've got to look back in 10 years' time and say, I'm glad I did those hard yards or, or I'm glad I looked outside the square and listened to Emily to be able to buy that first property because now it's paying me back handsomely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And if you're in a position and you listen to this episode as a not 20-year-old, like maybe in your 30s or 40s yeah. and you're, it's not too late to get started I think it's just really important that the purchase, it's quite a crucial one to, to really get right as any purchase, but probably more so when you are starting a bit later. Yeah. So yeah, if you need to seek out help, like there's so many resources available, you might consider a buyer's agent or a buyer's advocate along the way as well, but it's not too late. No, and having that long-term view of it is important, isn't it? Knowing what you what you want to do in five or 10 years, but you're right, it doesn't have to be in your 20s. It's just, no. how do we get a start here? Yeah. Get your foot on the ladder. Step up those rungs. Yeah, that's what we want. All right. Thanks for allowing us into your ears. Until next time. Until next time. Bye. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Money Professional, My Millennial Career, My Millennial Money, My Millennial Daily, and Retire Right. Find these wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.